Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for December 11th is Romans chapters 14 through 16. Verse 1 of chapter 14 says, Welcome anyone who's weak in faith, but don't argue about disputed matters. I am reading from the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB. I wouldn't say it's better than any other translation, and there's some dispute about how to translate, how to properly interpret this verse. The NIV says, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. The ESV, which is a literal translation, says, as for the one who's weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. The New American Standard Bible is also quite literal, but it comes from a slightly different text. Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not to have quarrels over opinions. It's not the person with weak faith who is, to, who is expected or instructed to accept those who have a greater faith. That happens naturally because those of us who are younger in our faith or less mature in our walk with the Lord are naturally drawn to people who are beyond us or above us in some respect. We want to grow, and therefore we, when we see people who are where we want to be or further along the path of the faith journey, we want to learn from them. We want to be around them. We desire that proximity. And so the instruction is to those who are more mature, do not reject the weaker, the less mature. Put their needs before your own. Accept them. And the second very clear instruction is not to quarrel or argue about doctrinal differences. Don't be drawn into arguments. The Berean literal Bible says not for passing judgment on reasonings. King James says not to doubtful disputations. Don't argue about disputed matters. So accept the one whose faith is weaker. And don't be drawn into arguments. Don't even entertain them. Strive for unity in all that we do. Verse 4 says, Who are you to judge another man's servant? Everyone on this faith journey in Christ Jesus is a servant of the Lord. It's not our place to judge God's servants. It's not our job to convince anybody of what to believe. We simply present the truth. And you know, people have a desire to be heard. People have an innate need to be heard, to be seen, to be understood. We long for that, whether we know it or not. And so rather than disputing anyone, rather than using our knowledge to shut people down, Let's draw them out with questions. Let's seek to really understand where they're coming from. And as we help them talk through what they believe, they will come to their own conclusions by the power of the Holy Spirit if they are submitted to the Holy Spirit. And then when they come to those conclusions that they found on their own, they won't be preaching about this Jesus whom Paul preaches but they will be speaking from a place of authority. And as we all speak from a place of authority, we grow up in faith and we're able to build one another up. 
Verse 19 summarizes that. Let's pursue what promotes peace and builds one another up. The Greek word translated builds up is a compound word, oikodomeo. And there are different variations of it, but it's used throughout the New Testament. Oiko means to build. Domeo is the word we get the word house from. We are to be building up the house of believers. Of course, that is one another, but it's also the body of Christ as a whole. We are the living stones that make up this third temple. We are the temple of God, if indeed the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so we are charged here to promote peace and to build one another up. There are debates about whether or not to eat this or drink that to celebrate this holiday or that. It's not our place to force our own convictions on anyone. Let's pursue a law of love, loving one another, keeping our opinions to ourselves, except perhaps when asked. Verse 22 says, whatever you believe about these things, keep it between yourself and God. And verse 23 says to follow your own conscience because whatever does not come from faith is sin. Another way to phrase that is whatever you do that is not a direct result of your faith in God is sin. No longer are we worried about just keeping these Ten Commandments that were given through Moses to the people back in Exodus. Now we are expected with our every breath and our every thought to be seeking God's will, to be living in a manner pleasing to Him. And whatever we do that is not derived from our faith in Him is indeed falling short. It's missing the mark. Verse 15 says, We who are strong have an obligation to carry the burdens of those who are weak. And we are not to please ourselves. Each one of us is to please our neighbor for our neighbor's good in order to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself. So how do we follow his example? We continually put the needs of other people before our own. This is what we call fulfilling the law of Christ. Loving your neighbor as yourself. And one might say, well then, how do you love your neighbor unless you love yourself first? And that is true, but we are not to love ourselves the way the world does, spoiling our flesh with food and drink and laziness. No, we do what's best for our bodies and for our souls in the long term, not the near term. The same way that if you want to take good care of your body, you will eat right and you will exercise and you will be active and you will do things that are uncomfortable in the present in order to be in better shape in the future. To love our soul is to study the scripture and meditate on the word of God, to spend time in prayer. To love ourselves is to deny our flesh, to fast, to practice listening to other people rather than sharing our own opinions. Welcome one another, just as Christ welcomed you in 15 verse 7. In 15 14, Paul writes, My brothers and sisters, I myself am convinced about you 
that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to instruct one another. To me, it shows that there's not a division between clergy and laity that we have manufactured in Western cultural Christianity. It should not be this way that men and women come to church and are spectators, but they don't have a voice to share. One could even wonder if that is indeed even a church at all. Paul had a special grace, and so he writes this letter and all of these letters that make up the New Testament in order to remind the saints of specific points. But Paul wasn't better. You could just ask him. He even said he was chief of sinners. But he also received a lot of grace. I think we can look at this verse and see Paul's heart that there's not to be this division between spectators on Sunday morning and those who are standing on the stage. We are all called to instruct one another. Certainly in Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11, where it says he gave the apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers or pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, oikodomeo once again, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Notice again, these special leaders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are to equip the saints, the believers, for the work of ministry. We have made a mistake, a grave mistake, when we expect the pastor of our local church to do everything for us, to go to the hospital and pray, to prepare the sermon for Sunday morning, to oversee the budget meeting, and all of the different pieces that go into leading a nonprofit ministry. No, it should not be that way. The pastor, along with apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers, should be equipping the saints for the work of ministry that God prepared in advance for them to do. We all have works of ministry. It could even be argued from Scripture that we're all falling into one of these categories of apostles or prophets, of evangelists, pastors, and teachers in our different ways. According to the faith that has been given us, let us press into God for the sake of instructing one another, for the sake of building one another up until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of Jesus Christ to maturity, to where we are complete. Nobody would argue that the church is complete today or that we are mature fully. We all have work to do. And perhaps the reason that we are as immature and far from the mark as we should be or could be is that we're not instructing one another. We cannot all get the instruction we need from a sermon on Sunday morning, even if we listen to different sermons and podcasts and YouTube videos from a plethora of different teachers. God designed us that we need other people who know us speaking into our lives. This is why Paul writes about instructing one another. We should be instructing one another even correcting one another. We need community. 
We need mutual respect. We need humility so that we will prayerfully consider the words being spoken to us. But again, in Ephesians 4, verse 12, apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so it remains that you and I have works of ministry that God prepared in advance for us to do. Let us pray and press into God and ask him, what is it, Father, you would have me to do? What works of ministry am I supposed to be doing? Among a myriad of others, it very likely is instructing one another. Humility is of utmost importance. And again, it comes up in chapter 16, verse 17. Watch out for those who create divisions and obstacles contrary to the teachings you learned. We should always be learning. We never attain complete knowledge. And so there is this grace to instruct one another, to submit to one another, to be humble before each other and a challenge for us to continually be learning and to not argue about silly disputes over what we should eat, what we should drink, and what special holy days we should observe and which ones we should not. But we draw the line when anyone begins attacking the foundation of our faith, which is Jesus Christ and him crucified. If anyone ever says Jesus is not raised from the dead, have nothing to do with that person. And so while we're not seeking to argue, we're not seeking to divide, we are defending the truth and striving for unity at all times. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for being on this journey with me. We'll see you tomorrow. And for those of you who are interested, I am now offering executive, relational, and even spiritual coaching. If you are feeling stuck, you're not sure where to go or how to get to that next level in some area or arena of life, I would love to be the one to help you get to where you want to be. That's what a coach does. Like a horse-drawn coach carrying occupants from one place to another, if you have a destination in mind and you don't know how to get there, reach out to me through the bibleinorder.com slash coaching. We'll develop a plan so you can achieve that level of success that you long for. See you tomorrow.